Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. This week our podcast features an episode of Mystery is My Hobby called Alan Fisher is Murdered. It first aired around 1945. by a young attorney named Frank Woodman. Good evening, Frank. Come in. Yeah, I got your message, Fisher. It sounded urgent. It is. I have a special case I want you to handle for me. Shall we go into the study? Okay. As I told you over the phone, I have an important engagement. I, I... think what I have to say will preclude the possibility of your uh, engagement. Sit over there, please. What's the idea of locking the door? Don't get alarmed. I merely want to ensure privacy. That's what I'm in. He won't, Frank. My wife isn't home tonight. She doesn't even know that you're here. Oh. Well, what was it you wanted to see me about? Sit down. Sit down. It may take some time. So my appointment. Your appointment can wait. Cigar, Frank? All right. You know what I smoke cigars? Of course. I'd forgotten. You live in a cigarette-smoking generation, don't you, Frank? You and Helene. Be here, Fisher. If you don't, you'll indulge an old man a lifelong habit. I'll light up. There's nothing like an after-dinner cigar, my boy. You should try it sometime. I'll stick to cigarettes. Look, what's this all about? Of course. You're curious, aren't you, my boy? Well, this case I want you to handle involves a very dear friend of mine. Do I know him? You know him, my boy. Very well, indeed. What's his name? Perhaps it's someone I wouldn't even be interested in representing. On the contrary, I think you will, Frank. However, for the moment, I shall withhold his identity. Until you decide. It's nonsense. You don't care to... He's quite an elderly man, Frank. About 60, I should judge. Recently, he had the good fortune to meet and marry a very lovely young woman. Oh, I see. One of those June and January affairs, huh? A very apt description, my boy. However, my friend, despite his age, was sincerely and honestly in love with his young wife. He believed he could make her happy. <laughs> they always do. Do they, Frank? That's one of the things I'm curious about. As a lawyer, I felt that you could advise me. Well, it depends upon the girl, I suppose. Oh, that is exactly what I wanted to hear. It depends upon the girl. I don't get it. Perhaps I'd better explain further, then. For a time, my friend and his young wife were quite happy. Then one evening at a party, my friend's wife was presented to a personable young man of about her own age. Well, that usually happens, too. Yes. Thereafter, my friend lived in torment of doubt and suspicion. Your friend's story is following the usual pattern. I suppose it is. To you, a lawyer, his predicament must be an old story. Yes, and a tiring one. I'm sorry. However, there is a point in my friend's story where it deviates from the customary pattern. Oh? Yes. My friend, though aware of his wife's infidelity and knowing that she was perhaps more to blame for the uh, situation than the young man did not accuse her of her disloyalty, nor throw her out into the cold, cruel world. No? What did he do? Unfortunately, my friend realized that without his beautiful young wife, despite her faults, life would scarcely be worth living. I still don't get it. You will in a moment, Frank, I'm sure. 
Realizing the depths to which his love went, my friend began to think of some means of removing the young man from the scene. <laughs> Such as killing him? Fisher, you can tell your friend for me that he's a fool. He wouldn't get away with it. My friend realizes that, Frank. He knows that murder would not solve the problem. So he thought of another means of accomplishing his purpose. <laughs> another? My friend is quite wealthy, Frank. He happens to know that the young man in whom his wife is interested is, shall we say, not too well off? I see. Coincidentally, the young man is a lawyer, Frank, like yourself. You can understand how difficult it is for struggling young lawyers these days. Yeah, I know all that. Now, as a lawyer, Frank, I want you to advise me what to do. Would you suggest that I tell my friend to offer the young man a sum of money to leave the country? Being very subtle about it, of course. Well, no harm in trying. What sum would you suggest, Frank? I'd say the sum should be in direct ratio to the young man's fondness to your friend's wife. In other words, every man has his price. That's it. What would you say to $25,000? I'd say it wasn't enough. 50000 Well, the young man would be crazy if he took it. Why could I... He'd go on $50,000 and set himself up in business and live the life to which he'd be entitled. Entitled? He'd have to sacrifice the young wife, wouldn't he? Well, there should be some compensation for that. I see. $75,000. He's still way low. Low. Be reasonable, Frank. My my friend loves his wife madly. She's all he has left in life. Then your friend should be willing to pay whatever amount the young man has. What would that figure be? A quarter of a million dollars. A quarter of a million? But that's... Well, that's out of the question, my friend. Hasn't any such amount. I think your friend is lying. He isn't, Frank. I swear it. Then your friend's a fool to even think about it. Frank. What the devil's the matter? What are you telling me? Don't move. There's someone outside the French door. He has a gun. You're crazy. Oh, no, I'm not. Stay where you are. I've got a gun in this Put that gun down, you fool. Don't think you can trust me. I'm turning around. Put it down. I... You see, under the circumstances, Mrs. Fisher, it would... Excuse me, please. I think that calls for me. Of course. Yes? Hello, Brad. Hello, Inspector. What did his fingerprints show? There were two sets on the gun. Frank Woodman's and Fisher's. I see. Anything else? Anything else? What more do you want? Something good is We already know that Woodman was making a face of Fisher's wife. Uh, Inspector, Mrs. Fisher is with me now. Uh-oh. Get down here as soon as you can, Inspector. There are some new developments that I want to discuss with you. New developments? Mm-hmm. Look, you don't mean to suspect. As soon as you can, Inspector. Goodbye. I'm afraid that the case against Frank Woodman looks rather bad, Mrs. Fisher. Yes, I overheard what Inspector Dalton said about the fingerprints. Mr. Drake, I'm sure you're making a mistake. Frank Woodman... Unfortunately, Mrs. Fisher, there are neither witnesses nor evidence to substantiate Mr. Woodman's rather fantastic stories. And as a lawyer, he should know it. But if there were someone outside the French door... Inspector Dalton's men have covered every inch of ground outside the French doors, Mrs. Fisher. There's no evidence that anyone was there. And you lend no credence to Frank's story that he picked up the gun and ran through the French doors after the slayer? Mm, I might, except for one thing. Mr. Woodman stated that an instant before your husband died, he gasped, I got him. What's so fantastic about that? Mrs. Fisher, the police medical examiner stated that your husband was killed instantly. If that is true, he couldn't have said, I got him after he was shot, could he? Oh, I see. And Lewis, your butler, heard your husband and Mr. Woodman uh, quarreling. Woodman substantiated this. Well, I should think that 
the mere fact that Frank did substantiate the quarrel with... Would indicate that uh, he had a clear conscience? No, Mrs. Fisher. Whitman was merely being clever. He knew that the case against him was bad. Therefore, it was to his advantage to make the admission. And the fact that The fact you... that I admit being in love with Frank gives him a motive. Is that correct, Mr. Drake? Not quite. The fact that Mr. Woodman knew that you would inherit your husband's fortune when he died and that you were in love with him provided the motive. That's unkind. It's brutal and cruel. Murder is also brutal and cruel, Mrs. Peter. Are you going to arrest Frank? I'm afraid Inspector Danton will have no choice. I beg your pardon. Come in, Lord. What have you there? The mail, sir. It just came. Shall I leave it here, Mrs. Fisher? If you don't mind, Lewis, I'll fix the letter. Oh, but Let I... him have it, Lewis. I seem to be deprived of my rights as a citizen. Why don't you go upstairs and lie down, madam? You've been wearing those heavy riding boots and that jacket all morning. You must be Thank tired. you, Lewis. I couldn't sleep. I'll, I'll remain here until it's over. Mrs. Fisher, did you ever know a man named uh, Horace Gay? Horace Gay? Mm-hmm. What about him? This envelope addressed to you contains a newspaper clipping and states that Horace Gay escaped from prison last week. Oh, no. What do you see? Was there anything else in the envelope? No, that's all. Just a clipping. Then you do know Mr. Gay, hmm? A long time ago. He was in love with me. We were to be married. What happened? Horace worked in the bank. Funds were found missing. Horace was accused. He, uh, killed a man. Okay. Did, uh, your husband know about this? No. Telling Alan would have done no good. I'd completely forgotten. Mr. Drake. Yes? Before they took Horace away, he, he swore that if I ever married anyone else, he'd... he'd kill him. Hmm. And you think that possibly... Yes, yes. Oh, don't you see? It was Horace outside those French doors. It must have been. Oh, thank heavens. You can't arrest Frank now. You can. There, Mrs. Fisher. You mustn't get excited. Let me help you up. No, get away from me, Lewis. Well, Mr. Drake? You're really in love with Mr. Woodman, aren't you, Mrs. Fisher? Yes, I am. I'm desperately in love with him. Is it wicked to love a man and try to protect him? Not at all, Mrs. Fisher. Only I don't think you're trying to protect Frank Woodman. Okay, Bob, we spent the whole day looking for clues that don't exist. Now we're right back at the scene of the crime where we started from. When are you going to let me arrest somebody? <laughs> Inspector... You can start arresting any time you like. Whom do you want to arrest? The guy who murdered Alan Fisher, naturally. Mm, and who's that, Inspector? It's Frank Woodman. You said so yourself. <laughs> he had a motive. His fingerprints were on the gun. Oh, doggone it, Bart. I wish you wouldn't change your mind so often. I haven't changed my mind, Inspector. How do you account for that shot that came through the French doors? How do I account for it? Mm-hmm. You said yourself that Woodman probably fired the shot just to throw us off. Did I? Mm. Well, the broken glass was inside the study, Inspector. That indicates that the shot came from the outside. Besides, there was only one shot fired from Fisher's gun. No, Inspector. I'm afraid there was someone outside those French doors. Well, I'll be doggone. But you're giving me a headache. Whose side are you on, anyway? Look for crying out loud. You really sound unhappy, Inspector. Huh. <laughs> well, let's see, what time is it? Nine o'clock. That's odd. Yeah, isn't it, though? Every time it gets to be nine o'clock, it's odd. What's odd about it? It doesn't happen soon. I've been... Oh, hello, Whitman. Come in. I've been expecting you. I can give that back to you, Drake. I've been expecting you. Oh, Denton. Oh, to take you off to jail, you mean? Yeah. Look, you guys, I'm tired of sitting around this house waiting for you masterminds to build a case against me. Either make a formal arrest... Oh, so you're tired of waiting for us to build a case against you, Bub. 
Well, let me tell you something. We got a case that'll send you to the chair quicker than... Not if you have a case against me, why all this stalling? You seem pretty sure of yourself, Woodman. Sure I am. I'm a lawyer, Drake. You haven't got anything on me. I know it and you know it. So what's the game? You got enough on you to keep you sitting in this house, Bob, even if you are tired. As a matter of fact, Woodman, we are playing a game. The first pass is over, and in a moment we can... Something Judas listen to that! Have a command. I think the second half of the game has begun. Horace Gay. Not until Drake spoke of him. 
Who is he? He's an escaped convict from Sing Sing. He was sent up for murdering a man. Because I told Drake that Horace Gig and I were once in love. I told him that after the trial, Horace threatened to kill any man that I married. Colleen, you don't mean that you... Of course not. I never heard of Horace Gig until I read about him in the paper. I cut out the clipping and mailed it to myself. But why in heaven's name? But don't you see why? I wanted Drake and everyone else to think that Horace Gay had come back and murdered Alan. But what if they... Capture Horace Gay? Oh, they won't, darling. That's how I was clever. The clipping came from a year-old paper. The police have practically given up searching for Horace Gay. Yes, it was clever. Very clever. But I oh, still... stop worrying, darling. Horace Gay is probably in South America by now. I'm not worrying. It's an ingenious idea. There's only one thing wrong. I know what you're thinking. I've taken care of that, too. Taken care of what? The gun, darling. Look, I've kept it under my pillow. You mean that you... Of course. I fired the shot. There wasn't any prowler. And when Drake suggested that the prowler might have been Horace, I pretended I'd forgotten about him. Remember? Yeah, I remember. Well, if I had been the one who had suggested Horace, Drake might have thought it was a setup. Wasn't that clever? Very clever. What are you going to do with the gun? Oh, silly. If I'd thrown it out the window, where they would have found it with my fingerprints. No, darling. Drake must never find the gun. So you expect me to get rid of it for you? But, darling, for your own good. You've already been searched. They'll never look. Colleen. Yes, Frank? You... You think I killed Ellen, don't you? Didn't you, Frank? Don't be a fool. Of course I didn't. Blast it, Frank. Come back here. Hello? Sit down here. Come to me. I've been to you me. You listen to me, Frank Allen. Listen carefully. Perhaps you didn't murder Allen. If you say you didn't, it's all right with me. But I didn't, I... All right, all right. Drake and Daphne think you did. But you prove a thing. Johnny, Johnny, suppose you're wrong. Suppose they can prove that you did. What do you mean? It looks bad, Jack. You did have a motive. You did quarrel with Allen. Your fingerprints were on the gun. You and I both have admitted we were in love. Ah, but, Helene, I tell you, that wouldn't stand up in court. It's, it's circumstantial. Alan was an important man, Frank. They've got to send someone up for his murder. And you think I'm the goer? Oh, darling, let's not take that chance. Drake is practically convinced that this Horace Gay is the murderer. If they don't find the gun... Well, how will I get rid of it? What if they find it, I mean? Well, they won't, darling. Don't let them. Oh, Frank. Uh, Frank, it either way. I couldn't bear it. Uh, I couldn't bear it, darling. Here comes Drake and Dancing. Oh, quick, darling. Put the gun in your pocket. Here, the little man who wanted everyone else to be so discreet about going into female bedrooms. Look here, Danton. I'll have you know this. We understand, Woodman. Becoming indignant won't help the situation. Mrs. Fisher, I'll have to ask you to get dressed and come downstairs. I'm afraid I must disappoint you, Mr. Drake. I really don't feel up to it. And I'm afraid I haven't the time nor the patience to tolerate your disappointment, Mrs. Fisher. You will meet us in the living room in ten minutes. Now, just a minute, Drake. These high-handed methods of yours are a little too much to take. Are they, Woodman? And what do you plan to do about you it? You see, Junior, we're not kidding. Mr. Drake, I absolutely refuse. If you do, Mrs. Fisher, we'll have a patrol wagon here in ten minutes. Inspector, perhaps you'd better assist Mr. Woodman down to the living room in case he has similar ideas about joining our party. It'll be a pleasure. Come on, little man. Come to Papa. Ten minutes are up, Bart. Shall I call a wagon? Oh, we'll wait a moment or two longer, Inspector. In the meantime, Woodman, I think you'd better hand over the gun. What? What gun? 
What are you talking about? I'm talking about the gun that Mrs. Fisher used to shoot the hole through the screen, Woodman. It wasn't outside the house, and I'm sure that Mrs. Fisher wouldn't want it found in her room. But how? I mean, I haven't... Hand it over, Junior. Well, I... Look here, you can't... Oh. <laughs> it is, bud. <laughs> Just like we figured. Hmm. You see, Woodman, the ragged ends of the screen made by the bullet passing through pointed outward. That proves conclusively that the shot came from inside the room. Get it, Junior? Tell him what else we know about it. Very well, Inspector. We know that there was no man in Mrs. Fisher's room, Woodman. The whole thing was a product of her imagination. That's a lie. You can't prove a thing. We can. Mrs. Fisher said she woke up and saw the glowing dial of a man's wristwatch in the darkness. Well, how did she know it was a man's wristwatch? Why not a woman? I beg your pardon, Mr. Drake. Oh, yes, sir. Mrs. Fisher is waiting for you in the library. Library? We told her we'd be here in the living room. Mrs. Fisher prefers the library, sir. Oh, she's trying to show her independence, eh? Well, no. Oh, no, Inspector. Meeting us in the library is the cleverest move Mrs. Fisher has made tonight. But on the other hand, it's a dead giveaway that she is the one who murdered her husband. Stop me if I'm out of order, but aren't you dressed kind of funny, Mrs. Fisher? Funny, Inspector Dalton? Why? Well, wearing a riding habit this time of night with those heavy boots. I love riding clothes, Inspector Dalton. I never had a chance to wear them very much before I married Alan. That's a very nice act, Mrs. Fisher. I admire your courage. Uh, uh, uh. No, no, Lewis. I think you'd better remain. Uh, very well, sir. Drake, before we left the living room, you said that... Yes, yes, I know, I know. Lewis... What was the real reason that you didn't remain in Mrs. Fisher's room after you turned on the light? Why, I... I was I... not in bed, that's why. Mr. Drake must still be so trying. What possible difference can it make? A great deal, Mrs. Fisher. You were not in bed. You've gotten up and run over to the screen door to unfasten the latch from the inside. Isn't that right? No. I'd gotten up to chase the problem. I'd neglected to pick up my dressing gown, and Lewis... Nonsense, nonsense. When Lewis switched on the light, you were standing in the center of the floor. You made no effort to get back into bed. Isn't that right, Lewis? Why? Why, yes, it is. Yes, of course. And why didn't you run back to bed, Mrs. Fisher? Why? Why, I'll... I'll tell you why. Because if you'd taken one step, Lewis would have known that you couldn't walk without limping. Limping? What the devil? Yes, limping. When you shot at your husband through the French doors, Mrs. Fisher, he didn't die instantly, as I told you before. He lived long enough to mutter that he got whoever shot at him, just as Woodman said. Helene. It isn't true. I don't believe it. Yes, it is true. Your husband shot back at you. He hit you in the leg, and you realized you had to cover that wound. Say, that's why she... Yes, Inspector, that's why she's been wearing riding boots all day. And every time we've seen her, she's either been lying down or sitting. Exactly. And that's why Mrs. Foster came down to the library. Instead of the living room, she didn't want us to see her limping. Frank, the gun. The gun that I gave you. Shoot them. Shoot them. Frank! I'm sorry, Helene. Mighty nice of you to ask me to stay with you tonight, Bart. It would have been a long trip out to my place. Well, I'm glad to have your company, Inspector. Anything I can get for you? No, thanks. I think I'll go to sleep. Twin beds is sure nice. Hmm. Say, uh, Bart. Yes, Inspector. 
Why did the babe dream up that Horace gay gag? Because we convinced her that we had enough evidence to send Woodman to the chair. That would have meant complete failure of her plan. She was in love with Woodman. So she tried to pin the murder onto someone else. Oh, I see. Well, good night. Good night, Inspector. Yeah, say bye. Yes, Inspector. It's something you forgot. Hmm? Oh, 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 yeah. Okay, Inspector. Mystery is my hobby. Broadcast before a live audience, Mystery is My Hobby is a classic whodunit show from the gentleman detective genre, starring Glenn Langan as Barton Drake. The conceit of the show is that Drake is the urbane, well-to-do author of the book Mystery is My Hobby. Each episode, he introduces a true-to-life case history from his book, in which he is always the central character. The dramatic action ensues, during which Drake cuts through the mayhem to solve the crime du jour, be it murder, larceny, or blackmail, with the aplomb and savoir-faire of a Peter Whimsey. He ends each episode explaining how he solved the mystery to feckless lawmen and criminal alike with the tagline, Because mystery is my hobby. The star of the series, Glenn Langan, made a successful transition from radio and B-movie actor to frequent guest on the ubiquitous episodic TV shows of the 50s and 60s. He is best known as the star of The Amazing Colossal Man, the cult favorite from 1957. Laden with dramatic musical stings and enthusiastic audience applause, each episode began with the following. Ladies and gentlemen, Barton Drake speaking. For tonight's drama, I've selected case history number whatever from my book, Mystery is My Hobby. I call it, and then the name of the episode. Although Mystery is My Hobby is not as well known as many of the other old-time radio detective shows, it offers an intriguing half hour of entertainment for fans of the genre, and I quite enjoy it. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.